After last Tuesday night, I felt a little bit discouraged in the work. My mind was filled with the need here all the way home. And on Wednesday morning, I decided just to follow on in my Bible reading in Genesis 37 about Joseph. And then, for some strange reason, I thought about this portion, Psalm 105. And my attention was drawn there to the verses we read together. I read these verses. I was called away for some reason, maybe to take a call. can't remember exactly what. And as I was coming back again, the Lord suddenly spoke to me. He said, did you not really read and think about what I said to you? And it suddenly dawned. What did the Lord say to me first thing on Wednesday morning? He sent a man. And I felt that would be the appropriate word to come to bring to you tonight. God sent the man. Isn't that what we've been praying about for a long time now? He sent a man before them. Of all the people who come and go on the busy and crowded pages of Holy Scripture, where can we find a life that so beautifully portrays the life of Jesus than the life of Joseph? Touch his life at any point and instantly this or that aspect of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed. It was that very characteristic about Joseph that gave Joseph the right to occupy such a prominent position in the book of Genesis. And about a quarter of the book of Genesis is given over to the story of Joseph, beginning there in chapter 37 all the way through to chapter 50. Now, the great goal of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is to make that believer, man or woman, like Jesus Christ. And when he or she does at last exhibit the beauties of Christ, something of the glories of Christ, he or she becomes a trophy of grace worthy of display as an example for the encouragement of men and women of God to encourage people like you and to encourage people like me. But there are times when God's dealings with his people are mysterious. But no dark, no matter how dark the situation may be or the trial may be, we have this assurance that all things do work together for good to those that love God. Romans 8, 28. A.J. Gordon, a well-known preacher of a past day, said God's providence is like the Hebrew Bible. We must begin at the end and read backward in order to understand it. And verses 17 through 22 of Psalm 105 throws some light upon God's mysterious dealings with Joseph. Now we must read these verses in their proper context. We go back to verse 16. And notice what it says there. Moreover, he called, that is the Lord, called for a famine upon the land 
he brake the whole staff of bread. Now, there are 13 famines mentioned in the Holy Scriptures. And the purpose of this particular famine was to drive the people of Israel, to drive Jacob and his family down into the land of Egypt to preserve them at this time for God had a plan for them. So in order to do that, he sent a man before them. He sent a man. That's deeply significant. I want you to think about this. I want you to take this as an encouragement from the Lord. God sent a man. I have a number of things I want to just highlight for your benefit now this evening. First of all, there's the sending of Joseph. He sent a man before them. No one asked Joseph to go to Egypt. No one in Egypt asked or invited Joseph to come. Joseph didn't want to go to Egypt. The Bible says he sent a man. God sent him there in spite of himself. The famine which gripped Egypt and Canaan was foretold. And as I have indicated, it was God's purpose to drive the chosen people down into Egypt for a reason. For a reason. To give them the best place in the land of Egypt for them to grow into a mighty nation. God gave them the best part of Egypt. The best part of Egypt was Goshen. And that was the place in the providence of God, under the help and guidance of God, Joseph was able to lead his father and his brethren and their families, the best part of the land. It's always the will of God to give his people the best. When the Lord performed his first miracle, it was the turning of the water into wine. What did the governor of the feast say? You've kept a good wine until the last. That's the way God works. He always provides his people with the best. When the prodigal son returned from a far country, and we're all prodigals in our hearts, aren't we? What did the Lord do? We have it in the story. The father gave him the best robe that he had. So it is the will of God to give unto his people the very best. That's why the Lord sent a man before them for their benefit, to benefit the people who would go there eventually, at some point of time, many years later. The manner in which God introduced uh, Joseph into Egypt was not pleasant. Some experiences in life, even as believers, aren't, aren't very pleasant. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He was severely tempted, uh, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife and finally committed in a rather unceremonial way into prison. Yet despite all the evil activities of men, God sent a man. Man planned it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's why God overruled, because God ordained this to happen the way it happened. No one could interfere with the purpose of God, yet the people who carried out these things are accountable to him and were accountable to him for their actions and deeds. So, child of God tonight, remember this. God is in control of everything. God had a man for the hour. 
God sent that man at the appointed time. God raised up a man. And as God raised up a man then, so God in his own good time, for reasons unknown to us, God in his own good time will send a man our way as well. And when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he was without money, he was without influence, he was without power, yet he triumphed. That's an amazing thing, because God was in it, you see. And if God be for us, and if we are seeking to be faithful to him and his cause, who can be against us? Now, there's always a very good reason uh, for the Lord's dealings with us, even if we cannot discern it at the time. That's another thought we need to keep ever before us. We may not be able to understand it at the time, but there's a reason for everything. And there's got to be a reason for our present situation. I can't explain it. It's mysterious. It can be mind-boggling, maybe. But then, God was sovereign in all things pertaining to Joseph. All things pertaining to the move of Jacob and his family down into the land of Egypt. God was sovereign in raising up Moses, who had been brought up in Egypt to be the deliverer of the people of God. God was in control of every single thing. It may not always have been easy. Think about Moses being put into the ark of bulrushes. God planned that. God ordained that. The enemy was working hard to destroy the children, but God, in his grace, overruled in the whole situation and brought to pass his perfect will. Because that's what it is. It's a perfect will. Nothing happens by mere chance. There's a man sent from God, his name was John, as a forerunner for the coming of Christ. And here we see a man sent from God, whose name was Joseph, to prepare the way for the entrance of Jacob and his family into the land of Egypt. And Joseph was there to superintend things, their arrival. And for the years when he was alive, he certainly took care of his people. And then things changed. They always do. Things never really remain the same. And yet, at the appointed time, God raised up Moses to bring deliverance. The brothers sold him, but God sent him. The brothers hated Joseph, but God helped him. He sent a man. And as God sent the man then, I want you to encourage yourself and think about this. Underline this in your Bibles. Look at it when you feel discouraged. Look at it when you can't understand what's going on. Look at it when you see all these men that you've heard maybe before coming back again and preaching and new men coming. If I can find them, please keep this before you. God sent a man. So there's the sending of Joseph. But then there's the selling of Joseph. We're told here who was sold as a servant. And in the margin of my Bible, it means slave. He had to serve before he could reign. He had to go low before he could be exalted. It was the pathway to the throne. He had to endure the indignity. He had to be, in, he had to be treated in this way for God at a reason. Now, as I said before, uh, Judah, one of the twelve boys, suggested selling Joseph, Genesis chapter 37. And Judah's one of the twelve disciples sold uh, the Lord. 
Joseph was sold in the Old Testament for 20. Jesus was sold in the New Testament for 30. God ordained these things. But at the same time, as I have emphasized already, the people responsible are held accountable for their actions and their deeds. There's got to be this balance between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of men. And so we see this godly young man, 17 years of age, he has been stripped of the father's beautiful coat, he's been cast into a pit, he's been sold to the Ishmaelites, he makes the journey down to the land of Egypt, he's exposed for sale in the open market, placed on the platform, his foot is chained to the block, he's naked except for a loincloth, and there he stands, a good-looking young man, healthy specimen. Prospective buyers pinch and poke at him, and they push down his lip to examine his teeth, as though he were an animal. He became the property of Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard, the equivalent to the, the uh, chief of the royal police, if you like. Actually, Joseph was sold twice, sold by his brothers and then sold by the uh, merchants to, to Potiphar. So you think of this humiliation. Can you not see someone else in his humiliation? Stripped of his garments. He had been sold for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. He has worn a crown of thorns upon his brow. They plucked the hairs from his face. He's bleeding. He's in pain. He's in agony. They lash him. They lacerate his back. He's bleeding. We don't recognize him at all. He's naked. Think about the one who loved his people. Think about the one God sent. God sent the man. The God man. And there in agonies and blood, he took our place suffered in a room instead. What a debt we owe to him because of Calvary. Calvary covers it all. And so we can see even in this situation with Joseph, we can see the situation of another. Our dear Savior went to the cross. Joseph missed his father. Joseph missed his five-year-old brother Benjamin. When God sent the son he was away from the Father, away from the Holy Spirit in a sense. The Spirit was infilling him, of course. The Spirit was upon him. Twice over, the garments were used, that is the garments of Joseph were used to deceive when the brothers presented the torn coat to their father. The garment had been ripped off and torn in pieces. The goat had been slaughtered the garments had been dipped in the blood and then they were used to deceive the old godly father, Jacob. And then Joseph's garments again. Remember when he was, uh, the Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. What a strong temptation that was. And he did the right thing, of course. He fled and they left his garment behind. She picked it up and used it to say to her husband, you brought this uh, servant in here. Look what he's done to me. Look, a liar, deceiver. And then 
it was brought as evidence of his so-called seduction or molestation of Potiphar's wife. When you think of his coats, you think of the son's coat, the multicolored coat, you think of the servant's coat when he was in the service of Potiphar. And then you can think about, I suppose, for want of a better word, the shameful coat because he was a prisoner. But maybe we could say it was the coat of a sufferer because of his suffering for who he was and what he did. He was Christ-like in this. So we see him with that coat on. And then he wore the seer's coat. Remember, uh, when he was called forth from the prison, he washed himself, he shaved himself, he tidied himself up, and they put on a new coat. And he went into the presence of Pharaoh as the seer, the prophet of God, interpreting the dreams that Pharaoh had. He's on his way out now, you see. God is moving at long last. After 13 years of thereabouts, God is moving. God has been with him all along. God has been moving all along. God has been bringing Joseph to this point. He's been training him. He's been in the school of God all this length of time. And now he's about to burst onto the scene. And he does in a powerful fashion. Interpreting the dream. And he says to the king, God has shown you what he's about to do. He's a seer. He's a prophet. And then... We see him with the statesman coat upon him. Oh, now he's adorned in that uh, fine linen garment next to the king. It's been a long way from rags to riches, if you like. A long story, a long period of time. But here he is, exalted in due course. So the selling of Joseph was all part of the plan of God. And God is bringing them out. God is bringing him through the pit. He's bringing him through the prison. He's bringing him into the house of power. And every coat he wore tells a different story. And then that brings me to the sufferings of Joseph. We're told here, verse 18, his feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in irons. Uh, manacles, no doubt, were made from iron. And like chains, he was bound this information is, uh, information is not uh, provided in the historical record. He not only was bound by chains, but there's something more. The iron entered, as it were, into his very soul. Now, how, what makes me say that? There's a simple reason for that. The martial rendering for he is the word that sometimes is translated soul or his soul. It refers to the whole man. His fetters hurt his mind as well as his body. He was under great mental stress and under great mental pressure as well as the physical pain and suffering and agony. You think of Christ. You think of the literal physical sufferings of Christ, but think about that mental pressure. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, the burden that he bore in his mind and his heart and his body and his soul when he became our substitute and died on the cross. So think about that word, he. It could be translated as soul. So he was in great agony of soul. So great was his mental anguish. And apart from faith in the promise of God, what promise is that now? 
Remember when they were 17 years of age, chapter 37, verses 5 through to 11. Remember the dreams that they had? The, she, the 11 she's bowed down before him. That was a prediction. That was a forecast of what would happen one day. And now after all this time, it's coming to pass. Remember the time when the brothers had to come in and bow down before him? That was a fulfillment of prophecy. So he had the promise of God. And then, of course, you have the 11 stars bowing down before, his, before him. God gave him a message when he was 17. Will he fully understand that? I don't know. But now at this point of time, he certainly does understand what it's all about. And sometimes that's the way it is. God takes dealings with us. He works in certain ways. We may not understand it. The ways seem to be mysterious. But then at some point of time, along the pathway of life, it suddenly dawns on us. God did it for this reason. And he sent the man. He sent him on. So the iron chains were preparing him to wear the, the golden chain. Genesis 41 verse 42. Do you see that? The iron comes before the gold. And he was there until the time the Lord tested him or proved him. But he had the promise. All through those years in the prison. All through the time when he was accused by Potiphar's wife, he had the promise of God. That kept him sane. That kept his head above the water. That kept him trusting. So, when he was 17, 18 years of age, all these things happened to him by his brethren. At 30 years of age, he stood before Pharaoh. How many years did he spend in jail? I don't know, maybe 10 years. I couldn't say for sure. But God not only tested him and tried him, but thank God he triumphed through the word. Joseph had to be patient. Brethren and sisters, we have been tested. We have been tried as a congregation. You personally have, have felt this yourself. But at this time, we have need of patience. The dreams foretold greatness for Joseph, but he didn't know exactly when. God is sending a man to this congregation. We have the promise from God tonight, but we don't know exactly when. But God named his man here. I haven't great insight into who it is just yet. I'm praying about that. I have been praying about that for some time. He sent the man before them, even Joseph. He had the man, you see, in his book. God has a man in his mind for this congregation. It's got to come to an end. The service of Joseph. Then we read, the king sent and loosed him. Let him go free. That's what we read in verse 20. Free at last. Free at last. 12, 13 years after he was sold, he's free at last. The butler had forgotten him, by the way. He did a favor for the butler. And the butler made a great promise. So I'll remember you once I get free. And uh, the Bible says the butler forgot Joseph. People tend to let us down at times. You, you've been let down. I've been let down. We all have been let down at times. That, that's what it's like in life. That's the way it happens in life. Joseph was let down. I read yesterday in my Bible reading... Psalm 108, being as a help of man. 
that no one could help Joseph. He wasn't released on good behavior and he would have been an example helping the jailer. He was an example in Potiphar's house, but he wasn't released because of good behavior. He couldn't bribe the guards. He had nothing to bribe them with. He couldn't get any help from the court. Nobody knew him there. It's only a prisoner. He was released in the providence of God when the time is ripe. And when the time is right. He was raised then to the highest office. He was lifted suddenly. You see, the way it came, it just came suddenly. It was powerful. It was glorious. Overnight, he became the greatest man in Egypt. Isn't that an amazing story? Overnight, he became the man whose name was on everybody's lips, Joseph. The time of famine, Pharaoh said to the people who came, go to Joseph, and the cry was, go to Joseph. Here he is, Joseph, overnight, the greatest man in Egypt. Suddenly, God's man came to the fore. That's the point. And that would be nice if that were to happen here. And who knows? Suddenly, we may get the act together. Suddenly, we may even get everybody in the same, singing from the same hymn sheet, as, as, it, as it were. As it were. God is that right man. Ah, we've got to be patient. We've got to wait on the Lord. We've got to pray that God will suddenly come in a sovereign grace and reveal his man for the pulpit. He made him Lord of his house to teach senators. Now that word senators means elders, to teach the elders and to be in charge of the king's possessions. Now, let's just review before we come to a close. The Lord used the king's captain, Potiphar, to buy Joseph when he came down into Egypt. The Lord used the king's jailer to show favor to Joseph, to get him freedom to look after other prisoners in the prison. The Lord used the king's butler to speak up for Joseph eventually after two years. Forgot about him for two years. And then the Lord used the king himself to accomplish the plan. But the point is this. It was all done in God's way and it was all done at God's time. We've got to apply that. It has to be done God's way and it has to be done in God's time. So when you think of this life, God's ways and Joseph's life were certainly mysterious but perfect. He had lots to learn in the school of God from 17 to 30. And there are things that he knew at 30 he didn't know when he was 17. You appreciate that, don't you? Maybe this congregation has lessons to learn from these past number of months, these past number of years. Maybe we've got to learn things about ourselves. Maybe we've got to learn lessons about other people. And maybe we need to learn lessons about God, how God works. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. 
He also learnt about jealousy. Well, his brothers were jealous when they saw the nice coat. He learned something about rejection. He knew what it was to be rejected by men all through his life. He learned something about seduction as well. The things we need to be aware of and things we need to avoid. He knows all, he knew all about that. And the meanness of people. Think about the butler, how he treated Joseph after what he had told him. Doing the right thing costs. Being different costs. But there's one thing above all things that he learnt. God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will never fail. He will never let down. He will never disappoint. No wonder Joseph, when he had a family, called his two sons Manasseh, meaning forgetting, and Ephraim, meaning fruitful. God has caused me to forget the past. And God has caused me to be fruitful, even in my bondage. It's not a wonderful thought. And God blessed Joseph because God sent a man before them. So you can apply all of these things to Christ. The sending of God's Son, the selling of God's Son, the suffering of God's Son, and the service of God's Son. Joseph became the Savior of Egypt. Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. And so we can see in Joseph this wonderful portrayal of Christ. That's where I want to bring you to right now, to the feet of Jesus. As we come to pray about the work of God here in Korean, that God will send in due course a man and that the name of the man will be made known unto us the way it's known here in the scriptures. He sent a man, even Joseph. So here's guidance. May you take the counsel given and may we labor together. We're laborers together, by the way. We're all in the same boat here as God's people. We all have the interests of this work at heart. We don't want anything to interfere with the work of God in this congregation. We're all in the same boat seeking to do the will of God for the congregation. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Keep that ever before you. And pray that God will come and move in a very special way. We'll bow for prayer and as many as possible join in again tonight. The prayer meeting is always sounds better for me in a way when there's more people praying. And you don't have to be long. Men and women enter in tonight. Can be short. Don't go on too long. Let, let's focus in on the, the need tonight. Wait for a pastor. The need for the Lord's Day services from the services at the weekend Sunday school children's work as it commences young people ladies meeting outreach whatever let's focus in tonight on these things before God let's pray together Father lead us in prayer let there be no gaps tonight 
Let us follow each one swiftly, laying hold upon God, uh, pleading the promise. He sent the man, even Joseph. May the man of God's choosing be made known. And may the congregation delight itself in knowing the leading of God. What an encouragement that would be to get hearts together on this very important matter, to get us moving in the same direction, falling in behind one man that God has ordained for this pulpit. Oh, that God would move us powerfully and that we will see in the not-too-distant future this pulpit occupied with a man of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.